The Simpsons predicted the loss for the Rams. Right? Ah, that's what I said too, dude. <laughs> I, I, I don't think that was a real episode. I think someone kind of just went in there and like doctored the screenshot from it and kind of just did that to be cheeky. But maybe it was an episode. I don't know. I, I just, I just don't know if that was real or not. Kind of, kind of seems like it was, but because they are, they're always putting that up there in the Simpsons. Haven't predicted like that many Super Bowls in episodes. They've done a couple, but like I feel like everyone's always putting a Simpsons thing up there for for it. But um, let, let's get into this Super Bowl week thing because uh, I want to be able to talk about that, get that out of the way, and then go into all kinds of other stuff that we've been missing because we missed last week's episode. A lot of coaching changes, a lot of things to get into. Um, Alvin but- Kamara. Yeah, exactly. So must be a Vegas thing. <laughs> so b- before we get into anything, uh, I posted it on the Sports Harder uh, Facebook page. But today, Jason Giambi passed away. Prolific hitter. He played for the o- Oakland Athletics and then the, uh, the New, New York Yankees. I'm stuttering. What the hell? The New York Yankees. Yes. Um, he was 47 years old. He was that young? I didn't think he was that young. Yeah, he was that young. Gosh, like, I, I thought he was a lot older. I remember, like, watching him. Now, wasn't he a catcher? No, he was first, first baseman. First baseman, right? Yeah. Was he first baseman? Yep. But he was, all, he was also one of those that was caught up in the early 2000s, late 90s uh, steroid scandals, so. Uh, which apparently now the MLB and I posted it as well on our Facebook page that they are no longer going to be testing for steroids going forward. So I guess that is part of an agreement that they're trying to get stuff done so that way the, the lockout will like not happen anymore. Whatever you want to phrase that. So <laughs> we'll get back to playing baseball. Does is, is that mean Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds can now be Hall of Famers? Right. No, they missed out on their opportunity. They they you only have like however many years, isn't it? Like you only have ten, ten years to try wow. to get in. And if you don't meet that criteria, then you miss out. So I think wow. this past this past Hall of Fame 
voting. They got votes, but they didn't get enough. And so I think now they've missed out on their opportunity ever to get in going forward. Yeah, they don't do the legacy like the NFL does. Right. So they yeah, they, they've missed out completely now. So I say let athletes that are that are superb athletes that are pros dope up. Let's see what the human what human capabilities really are. Yeah, but that's not human capability though. That's drug enhanced capabilities. And let's but see what we can do. Let's Look see, at Michael Phelps. Smoke some weed and you become the greatest gold medalist in Olympic history, dude. That's all you got to do. You ain't got to do steroids. Just smoke some pot. <laughs> Lance Armstrong smoking some weed, losing a testicle, winning eight Tour de France's. One nut and high, dude. You don't need steroids. Just some weed, bro. <laughs> Apparently, it relaxes that's you enough. <laughs> that's, that's all you need. I'm glad uh, Larry got his uh, – Shout out promo there. He acts like he sells it on the side or something. <laughs> oh man, I wish I could be a billionaire, dude. I mean, Willie Nelson's a prime example. Dude's still alive. Snoop Dogg. I mean, I mean it's gonna be some kind of miracle drug. <laughs> yeah, that that is true. Uh, well, let's get into the the Super Bowl week. I'm excited to be able to break this down and talk about this. Um, you know, obviously, with everything going on. <laughs> excuse me. And me and Chris have kind of talked about this a lot. Um, you know, it, I feel like, you know, the Bengals remind me a lot of the Eagles when they were facing the Patriots, you know, and everyone wanted the Eagles to win because everyone hated the Patriots and the Eagles were the underdogs the whole season. You know, the the fans would even wear those like dog masks and everything when they when they won and they went on that stretch. And I feel oh, like the, the Bengals would wear it. The players would wear it too, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I mean, I feel like the Bengals are kind of in that same stretch of just like, you know, count us out. You know, we're underdogs. Like no one, no one thinks we can do it, type of thing. Um, but every like analyst and all these people that I see and watch during the Super Bowl week all have like the Bengals like taking it, and that Joe Burrow's like the next Tom Brady. Now that Tom has officially said that, you know, he's retiring. But he said never say never because he likes to have the center of attention since he's not in the Super Bowl. But um, with Joe Burrow and everyone saying, like, right now he's the the odds are for him to be the Super Bowl MVP. He has the highest odds in Vegas. Nope, second highest. Has it changed recently? Yeah. So Matt Stafford is plus – Matt Stafford is plus 180. Joe Burrow is plus 220. Those are the two highest odds. So Matt Stafford is the highest odds. Von Miller be MVP again. Just how it's going to be. <laughs> and I'd be fine with that. Von, Von <laughs> I, I, I really don't care who gets Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> as, as long as, as we win. win. <laughs> right. Yeah, at the end of the day, it don't matter. As long as my team wins. Yeah, exactly. So, um... With that, you know, we'll get into some fun prop bets because that, that's always my favorite segment when the Super Bowl week is going on is we get to go over the fun prop bets of what's going to happen in the Super Bowl and kind of uh, go over what we think uh, the odds are for it. But obviously we talked about it looks like Matthew Stafford now is like ahead for that. Um, so with, with that, then, like, I guess – Let's go ahead and just break down, I guess, what we think the game's going to be like, you know, our picks, you know, our scores, 
um, and, and kind of talk about that. And uh, also, and I'm pretty sure Chris is in agreement with this. I, I know I didn't really talk to him, you about it beforehand, but um, are we still doing like the hot sauce for the winner for picking the Super Bowl? Yes. Okay. Yes. Didn't want to do that. It's uh, so it's uh, hot ki- heat kings hot sauce. It's actually uh, my company um, that I'm getting started up and going. Currently, we have three different hot sauces that we're gonna that you get one of each. So we have a what's called Average Joe's, which is a jalapeno and tomatillo base with like uh, grilled onions. Um, and it's got some other ingredients in there that are actually really good, like grilled garlic. Like we actually we grill up the garlic and everything for it. Um, and then we make the hot sauce. So it's, that's our mild one. It's a green sauce. It's actually really flavorful, super mild. And then the next one is called uh, Voodoo. It's actually a Louisiana-based hot sauce. It's made out of serrano peppers and black garlic. Um, really, it, it's kind of a good good medium spice. It's got some kick to it, but really, really great flavor behind it. And then the third sauce is our Phoenix, which is our mango habanero. It's got a bunch of sweet taste up front and then burn the shit out of your throat. <laughs> it is extremely hot. So we use we use quite a bit of habaneros in it. And we actually reduce down the mango with some clove honey. Um, really amazing sauces. Uh, we, we take pride in it. So whoever wins, uh, whoever gets closest, it's on the Facebook page, right? Yeah, yeah, we're my yeah. on this too. Uh, no, you cannot win because you're part of uh, with us. So no. But Larry, Larry, <laughs> I'm I leaving do have... the podcast for the for the till next week then, so I can get it on the hot sauce. <laughs> I've I've actually got some. I can get to you if you'd like. Yes. So, okay. So we'll, we'll get that sorted. We get that sorted. So. Um, normally right. this stuff does sell for about $10 a bottle. So you're getting $30 free basically uh, for uh, picking the winner and closest score. The contest, I'm going to make a post on there about it. So that way people know where to go to post it. Um, at the end of this episode, I'll, I'll post that on the Facebook page. You can also comment on our YouTube channel, uh, Sports Harder Podcast. And if you comment on there with the, who you think is going to win and the score, uh, you'll be entered into win as well. So um, I, I love when we do that. Uh, we did that a couple of years ago as well, and it was a lot of fun. Um, we always try to do a prize for picking the winner and the score. Um, so definitely going to continue doing that. Let's uh, let's start off with uh, Chris then. Let's uh, hear your breakdown and, and score of the Super Bowl. So the the Bengals defense is not as good as the 49ers defense and the Rams kind of ran all over them. They did kind of let the 49ers back in it a little bit. So the Rams like to take their foot off the pedal. Like we've talked about, they need to not do that because Joe Burrow can go for 500 yards. Jamar Chase can go for 300 yards against elite teams. They did it against the Chiefs. You know, it's they have a really good team. They have Joe Mixon that can run the ball. Uh, you know, they, they have an all-around good team. And if you lock up uh, Jamar Chase, then you have to deal with T. Higgins. Like, T. Higgins is fast, and the dude runs routes more solid than pretty much anybody in the league. He, he's a damn good player. Um, 
I think it's going to be a tough matchup. The the Bengals' offensive line is pretty solid. So, I mean, the only way they're going to stop Aaron Donald is by double-teaming him, but then that's going to open up uh, Leonard Floyd and Vaughn Miller to get back into the into the backfield to give Joe Burrow some pressure. Um, overall, I think the Rams' offense is going to be too powerful for that defense. Like, the Bengals' defense has proven that they're pretty good, um, but – it's going to be impossible to stop Cooper Cup, OBJ, and Van Jefferson and still be able to stop the tandem of Cam Akers and Sony Michelle. Uh, Matt Stafford has been pretty on point for most of the year. He has, he's had a couple games where he's thrown stupid-ass passes, but what quarterback hasn't? Um, I honestly think that this game's going to be close. I could see... A 31 to 28 Rams. All right. Awesome. Larry, what's, uh, what's your breakdown and score? I think the biggest the biggest thing in this game uh, is, is the Rams' defense against Cincinnati's O-line. Cincinnati's O-line is, is trash. It is, in my opinion, <laughs> probably the worst O-line in the NFL this year. Um I know Ben Big, Big Ben got sacked the most in his entire career out of any quarterback in the span he's been in the league. But Burrow gets hit a lot. I think against the Chiefs, he was hit eight or nine times in that game. I'm sorry. But if you got Aaron Donald getting pressure, that's the thing, too, that, uh, that a lot of people, we all know Aaron Donald is a beast and he's phenomenal. But if you actually break down his film when he comes in, he, he, he brings in a triple team. They showed it against Tampa Bay, for, for example. So Aaron Donald comes in on the outside. He brought in three people. And the oh, center was supposed to come out on the come, uh, come around on the block and, and completely miss it because he's trying to guard Aaron Donald, which then leaves Brady wide open for a sack with, uh, I believe, Floyd came in for the sack. Cincinnati, if you're going to let – if, if you're going to get you're going to get beat up. You have to do something to slow down that Rams front, front four. Um the biggest matchup, though, that I'm actually really excited for is Jalen Ramsey versus Jamar Chase. I think Jamar Chase is arguably the best receiver. You know, he's a top five receiver in the league. He's a rookie, and he's doing incredible things as a rookie. Um, so I think a lot of things are going to change here, and I think that uh, that's going to be the best matchup of the Super Bowl. Nobody on the on Bengals defense, I think, can match up against Cooper Cup, Van Jefferson, um, you know, uh, I don't want why well, I can't think of the other dude's name, but I think Higby's coming back for this game as well. Um, it's going to be really interesting to see how it all plays out, and I, to see if Jamar Chase can tear up Jalen Ramsey, then that's going to be the difference. Did we lose Chris? Yeah, so I'm on the phone still, but I lost uh, connection on. Yeah, the, yeah he's on the phone, but losing the YouTube <laughs> or not YouTube, but the, the video call. He's trying to get back in. So, what's what's your final score, Larry? Thirty four, thirty one Bengals. No, that was just for that, just to get a free Traeger. Uh, I honestly think that it's good, but I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be. I'd probably just flip it and go thirty four, thirty one Rams. Honestly. All right, fair enough. So coming down to a field goal. uh, I definitely like the the points that you guys uh, made, just because the the Bengals offensive line is probably one of the worst. Joe Burrow did get sacked nine times in the Titans game, 
Tannehill threw three interceptions. I, I and I think Stafford is a better quarterback than Tannehill. I'm sorry. So you know I don't think Stafford's going to make those same mistakes like Tannehill did in that game. Um, so Joe Burrow is getting sacked nine times in the Super Bowl. I think the Rams have a very good chance of freaking winning. Um, so uh, with with that, that's one of the aspects. Jalen Ramsey already saying that he wants to cover Chase. Uh, he said that during the media week for this week. So I, I think the Bengals are not going to allow that to happen very often. If they can, they're going to try to move Chase, like have him, you know, uh, what's it called? Why am I blanking on the terminology? Motion. Motion, thank you. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna have a motion a lot or try to do a pick scene or something. They're, I highly doubt that, you know, the Bengals are going to try to allow just one-on-one with Jalen and, and uh, Jamar Chase. But, again, you know, we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, the offense, I agree as well, uh, that I feel like the Rams kind of – Cooper Cup continues having the series that he's having in the playoffs right now. I know, again, I'm a little biased, and you can tell me if I'm wrong or not, but I feel like it would go down as the greatest wide receiver, like, season of all time. He would be the only player, only triple crown winner to win a Super Bowl and win the triple crown. No wide receiver who's won the Triple Crown won a Super Bowl. So, I mean, what what is that saying about him in the season that he's having? So, I, I think you could consider that as one of the greatest seasons of all time for a wide receiver. Well, yeah, yeah agreed 100%. He's back. Uh, no, I <laughs> Sorry, guys. I had to log out and log back in. You're good. Like, it completely kicked me out of Ring Central. It was weird. I was on the phone so I could hear you guys. So. <laughs> So, Larry, you were saying you agree with that, but were you adding something to it? No, I, it's it's just crazy to me. Uh, I was talking to my, my brother. He's a huge Niner fan. Um, and it's wild to see what, like, Debo Samuel, the dude's young, and he – if there was no Debo Samuel, the Niners wouldn't have been where they were. Let's be honest. Yeah. That dude was doing everything he could possibly do for that team. He busted his ass every game, every minute. But that's where Cooper Cup comes in as well. Is Cooper Cup obviously isn't running the ball or throwing touchdowns and shit like that. But what he's able to do when it's time, it, it the way he's able to get open. Not only is he a triple crowner, but it's it's the simple fact of how he was able to do it. Is when it was crunch time, everybody, every quarterback has their guy they're going to throw the ball to. You know it's going to Cooper Cup, and you leave him single covered. Maybe, you know, with a guy over the top, you're not going to slow them down. You're, you're just not. And so I, I would agree 100% that with his capability and how, how phenomenal of a season he has had, that if they win the Super Bowl, um, hell, I mean, give him the MVP at that point. Give him the MVP, Super Bowl MVP. I don't even care if he has – I don't care if he has four catches and, and 12 yards. Give the dude the Super Bowl MVP. Like, plain and simple. Let's be honest. I, I, I hate saying it, but he's not going to win it. I would be surprised if he actually won MVP for the regular season. We know he deserves it, um, but for the Super Bowl, I mean, for what he like you said, yeah, I, I can't. You'd be that'd be dumb to argue against a point of what he's done. No other receiver's done that, and there's a lot of big name receivers that have been in the NFL. So, which is pretty crazy that it's never happened before. Yeah. So, um, I, I I think for final score, 
I would probably go like 30, 24 Rams. I, I, I think, you know, they'll get a comfortable lead and then kind of just keep it uh, the, the rest of the time. Now, uh, we did talk about as well uh, before me and Chris did that, you know, statistically, the Bengals were the greatest third quarter scoring team in the NFL this year. So they put up the most points after halftime. Um, so they're used to playing behind. They're used to having to, you know, get those points in the third quarter. So just like Chris made that point before, I just want to reiterate and agree with Chris that you can't let off the pedal with this team. Like, you, you can't. You can't let off the pedal because they're the greatest scoring, third-quarter scoring team in the NFL this year. And you can't deny that. And they've played teams like the Titans and the Chiefs. And they came back from the Chiefs. Like, they went into halftime, what was it, 23 to 3? 21 to 3. 21 to 3. Should have been 24 to 3. Should have been 24 to 3. Yeah. Like, they yeah. stopped Tyreek Hill with, like, four seconds left going into the end zone. Like, they just shut him down. Yeah, exactly. So you you can't let up, and I'm hoping you know. Obviously, McVeigh is. Taylor, the Cincinnati Bengals head coach, was the offensive coordinator for the Rams when we went to the Super Bowl. And he, he played two seasons with us. So he knows McVay very well and vice versa. McVay should know him pretty well, too. And, you know, uh, hopefully that will help us to be able to scheme a little bit better as well. I'm hoping some of the veterans on the team, on the Rams team, will help as well. Now, you know, some of those veterans have never been to a Super Bowl, like a Stafford um, or um, an Odell Beckham, you know, or Jalen. But... I feel like they still have years under their belt, and Joe Burrow is the second season. Jamar Chase, it's his first season. Like, you know, a lot of these players, how are they going to handle being in the Super Bowl compared to the Rams players like Andrew Whitworth and Aaron Donald and all those who have already been to a Super Bowl before? So um, I think that will, like, play into it as well. But I'm going to go – 30 24 and, and say that my Rams take it hopefully I can't I can't suffer another Super Bowl loss I, I already experienced that when we lost to the Patriots so so I, I have to ask a question Just hope you don't get blown out dude imagine it, that happening to you oh. <laughs> haven't yeah. once haven't once dude chill out are you kidding me Denver has some of the worst losses in Super Bowl history Super Bowl 24, 55 to 10 to the 49ers. Then, and then I think they lost again. Washington was like 35 to 3. I and mean, then they lost 41 to 8 or 41 to 7, something like that. Against yeah. the Seahawks. Was that the Seahawks one? Yeah. Was, yeah, that, that was, was like 48 10. Or, yeah, I mean, when it, it comes bad. to losses in the Super Bowl, I mean, granted, I was only alive for the, the three they've won and the one they lost, uh, but still. Denver's Denver's known to just get blown out in a Super Bowl. That's that's what they're good at. And I've only seen the Rams win one Super Bowl, so it'd be nice to at least see enough for one. You've never seen LA win a Super Bowl, though. That is true. I have not. <laughs> that is very true. So it would be nice to actually see 
LA when it's super cold and especially at home would make it that much sweeter as well too. So, so here's a random question for you. Um, just something to debate on and think about is, uh, are we finally hitting the threshold of the older generation coaches needing to back out because the younger coaches are out coaching them? Because, because we have a lot of younger coaches that were in the playoffs this year, and we've seen a lot of success from the younger coaches. I don't yeah. know, Bill Belichick just did what he did with Mac Jones after doing nothing with Cam Newton. Yeah, that's because Cam Newton sucked. Mac Jones was a rookie. The guy still has an arm. Cam Newton threw ducks. <laughs> Worse than Peyton I mean, Manning did. I mean, you can't really count out Andy Reid with what he's done. I mean, I, I see your argument, yes, but also you got Andy Reid's sixties, Belichick's one hundred and twelve. Um, you know, I mean, but you got a lot of older coaches that are stepping away, and there's, you know, it's look at your players in the NFL right now. You realize that if Tom Brady really retires, this is the first time in twenty years that Roethlisberger, Green, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and the Niners have not been in the Super Bowl in the last twenty years. Gosh. <laughs> it's, it's a very wild time in the NFL right now. and But you might have – yeah. I, I, I could see a lot of the older coaches going away. Time for the young guys to yeah. run at it. You could, you could tell the older mentality is, is not successful anymore. Yeah. It's just well, not. Yeah. Run, run first and second down, throw third down. That's the old mentality. And it's like people are throwing on first down. They've been doing it for a little while, but it seems like the younger coaches are up and they're coming up with more trick plays or coming up with more schemes for defenses. You know, they're teaching the quarterback to read defenses properly. It's it just to me, it's it's the tides are changing a bit. You know, to your to your point of the trick plays, uh, I would credit a lot of that to Chip Kelly. And what he did with Philly when he came in from Oregon, Chip Kelly, I feel, is a very is a he's obviously not a phenomenal coach in NFL by any means. He's not the greatest thing since Betty White, but at the end of the day, Chip Kelly brought in a whole different style of football. He brought in college football into the NFL, and it was like, oh, that's not going to work. And I believe the that was the Eagles had one of the best offenses in the NFL that year. So, and now if you look at what a lot of people are doing, they're starting to run these plays that you've seen. I mean, we watched uh, Denver tried running the Philly special during the regular season. There's been four or five teams this year that tried running the Philly special. So a, a lot of stuff though, I mean, granted that was Doug Peterson as the head coach, but Chip Kelly brought in a very advanced style to football. And I think that's why you're seeing these young guys like, well, this is working here. Why can't we implement that into this game now? where these older coaches aren't used to seeing this. You're not, you've been coaching for 25, 30 years. You've never seen people run plays like this. You've never seen offenses line up the way they're running. You've never seen a lot more Wildcats. But they, they did that with uh, Alvin Kamara in New Orleans. They're running a lot of Wildcats in the situation. Derrick Henry and the Titans. Um, so a lot of stuff I would credit that to, Jip, to Chip Kelly for bringing in that style of offense to say it's okay to bring in certain, you know, to switch up the whole game plan. Yeah, um, I definitely agree with that. And we're going to talk about uh, some coaching stuff as well here a little bit um, when it comes to some of the coaches that just got hired and also um, the NFL's, you know, 
push of Roger, Roger uh, Goodell, you know, saying that the NFL has failed to uh, keep the NFL, like, diversified and having more black head coaches hired. So, I mean, we're definitely going to get into that and talk about that because uh, that's going to be uh, a heavy topic and also that'll take some time. So, I want to kind of save time for it if, instead of just, like, kind of skipping over it. Um, so, before we get into that, I kind of, like I said, I always enjoy doing this. I always enjoy doing the prop bets for the Super Bowl. Uh, so, I'm just, I'm not going to go over all of them. Obviously, I'm going to go over some, just some fun ones. So, of course, I, and I just think it's funny that they actually have these bets like in Vegas that you can do. So, the Gatorade shower. So, the color that the Gatorade's going to be when the head coach gets it dumped on in, in, in the Super Bowl. So, uh, I bet on it every year. You bet on it every year? Yeah. <laughs> this year, the Gatorade will be orange or blue. Orange for the Bengals, blue for the Rams. Oh, oh yeah. 50-50 odds, bro. <laughs> I bet a lot of money on the Super Bowl on profit. I bet a lot of money on profit. <laughs> so you think it's going to be that simple, huh? Orange because Bengals and blue because the Rams, they won't do just some random color like purple. There's purple, there's red, there's blue, there's orange and yellow. Yellow. There are only five colors. And More white. often than not, about 99% of the time, every time, the colors match the teams. <laughs> All righty, fair enough. You think the same thing, Chris, is going to match the teams? Uh, I think it's going to be orange either side. Oh, really? Orange on both sides, huh? Fair enough. <laughs> orange is probably the most popular flavor among NFL athletes. Yep. <laughs> um, of course, they always have the uh, national anthem uh, prop bet. So they have different ones. Uh, how long will it take the person to sing the national anthem? Uh, will minutes. the artist forget or omit words from the national anthem? Um, and then this one that's interesting. I've never heard of this one before. Will any scoring drive take less time than it takes to sing the national anthem? Wow. Wow. I say 10 minutes. Yes, they'll mess it up because they do every year. Even though even though they have a teleprompter in front of them with the words now because of Christina Aguilera's really bad mess up. And I think that yes, a score will be faster than they than the length of the national anthem. I think it'll be just under 10 minutes. Speaking of national anthem, have you guys watched Jack Black's national anthem at the Bulls game? Yeah. Holy crap, dude. Yeah, no, I didn't watch it. You need to watch that. That shit is amazing. Yeah, it was actually really good, and I don't think anybody expected it to be as good as it was. <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, I'll definitely have to look at that then. Um, I think something important out with the national anthem, and again, a little biased just because I, I know American Sign Language, but um, a lot of pre predominant deaf people have come forward and protested that the national anthem, the person who signs it, because they always have a person signing it, uh, should be televised with the singer instead of just randomly showing them and then going back. Like, oh, here's the, here's the person signing in, and then they go back to the singer. Like, just back the camera up, show both of them at the same time, 
or has like a bubble in the corner that shows them signing it while the national anthem is going on. And I, I agree and I kind of support that 100%. Um, I, I think the NFL should totally get on board with that because it's not difficult. Just just make sure that you have the signer in there at the same time as the person singing. But, you know, it's not hard to do. I mean, what, what are they going to do? What are they going to do for all the blind people? It's a good question, Chris. What are they going to do? <laughs> I don't. That, yeah, what are they going to do for? How are the blind people going to hear them sing it? That is. That is strange. That is, well, good night, guys. I'm going to go figure this one out. Dad joke for the win. <laughs> Fire him from the hip. All sports, you were saying. I don't know why that's not a thing for all sports, though. Like, when you really I think agree. about it, because, because I mean, there's a lot of deaf fans. And obviously, there are blind fans. If anybody's blind watching this, I'm not going to exclude you, too. Um, uh, but, but, like, there, but there are a lot of deaf fans of sports. And it, this happens in all events where it, this isn't the first time it's been brought up. Um, the NFL is just always seems to be more in the limelight because, well, the NFL is kind of retarded and doesn't know how to. Roger Goodell doesn't know how to run a run the run the league, basically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all sports should have that. Why? Why not? Why not have every time in the World Series or you know the the Stanley Cup, the the fucking NBA Finals, Derby, whatever it is. Yeah, the Finals, the water polo. I don't care. Put it in all sports. Why not? They do why it for the Olympics. Yeah, well, and that well, and that person who's signing it is, yeah, cool. They might not have a great voice, but they they're there. And if I'm a, if I was deaf, how am I gonna know what she's saying? I mean, obviously, I watch TV with subtitles. I got kids and shit, but still, like the whole point is, I want to see this person being supported. So yeah, no, that should definitely be a thing. I'm I'm a hundred percent for that. Same. Yeah, yeah, I like that. And um, I also saw that uh, Doctor. Fuck what? you. <laughs> uh, I also saw that Dr. Dre, um, I guess, was going to bring um, an interpreter for his part of the performance as well. Um, so I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, a lot more rappers are getting interpreters for their shows just because, you know, they see the viral videos of like interpreters doing their songs and how much people enjoy that and like that. So um, a lot more rappers are kind of getting on, getting on board with that. Like, um, like the lady, like the lady that did the sign for uh, Godzilla by Eminem, like yeah. that was insane. Yeah. yeah, that's more impressive than more impressive than him just rapping fast. Like, let's be honest, I don't know <laughs> sign language, I don't know what she's doing, but <laughs> get that girl a record deal. Yeah, right. <laughs> I so, listened to that album. <laughs> I'd watch that album. Watch that album, man. Yeah, yeah um, it was wild, dude. It's crazy. So talking about the halftime performance as well, some of the prop bets. So let's uh, go over some of them. Uh, it has Will Snoop Dogg smoke on stage. <laughs> yes, um, absolutely. He does every concert. <laughs> uh, what will Eminem's first song be? Uh, will all five artists collaborate together for one song? Um, uh, will no. Eminem make a political statement during the halftime show? Um, so yeah, some, some of those, some of those, uh, those Wait, interesting ones. There's not a prop bet to see if there's going to be the hologram Tupac. 
There may be. I'm just I'm just really going over some of the main ones. That I guess pretty dope. I'm not gonna lie. I I think they're gonna do the hologram Tupac. Like they're gonna do California, California love. They're gonna have to do dope. California love. Like it's that'd in be LA. So dope. Oh, that'd be so sick. Right. Uh, <laughs> man, I'm just watching the Super Bowl for halftime. Let's be honest here, guys. <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna kick no all the kids. The game. At this point, it's like kick all the kids outside during halftime. This one's for us. <laughs> yeah, for real though. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, let's see. Oh, um, so some random, some random ones. Um, will a fan run onto the field during the game? Yes. yes. I hope always so. happens. It it always happens. I hope every. Uh, will any player propose to his girlfriend on the field after the game? Um, puppy bowl odds. I like that. Puppy bowl odds because that's been a big thing too for the halftime is the puppy bowl. You know what I miss? The bud bowl. I always Back in like the 80s and 90s, they did the Bud Bowl. It was Bud Light versus Budweiser, and it was all cartoon. It was like their bottles would actually play a football game. Yeah, it was cool as hell. That's too funny. Um, and then of course, like some of the other ones are like actual, like you know, prop bets. You know, we talked about you know, Super Bowl MVP, um, uh, who will score the first touchdown. Um, you know, heads or tails for the coin flip, <laughs> which I always think is funny. I hit some guy at pins and nails actually for the uh, national championship game. Like he came in like at like a couple minutes into the game starting. The first thing he asks me after I I him, he goes, "Was it heads or tails?" And I was like, "Uh, I don't know. I wasn't really paying attention." And he was like, "Well." I, I picked uh, the uh, Georgia to defer. Did they defer or receive? Just to just to pick the coin flip and if they would defer or not, like. And I think he said he lost. Like we ended up like looking into it, and he was like, "Yeah, I didn't get it right." I was like, oh, dang, dude. <laughs> um, so some of these prop bets are, are just pretty crazy what people put, how much money they'll put on it for it. I would tell you guys right now, for any prop bet, for any bet in the Super Bowl, and I found this out because it happened the Denver-Seattle Super Bowl, but I personally, I put down $5 on every Super Bowl that the first play from scrimmage will be a safety. Is that $5 bet? I will never, my kids will never have to work another day in their life. Yeah, isn't it like $8 million for five bucks? Uh, roughly, give or take. I know, I know. It goes up every year because nobody's yeah. won it. it. Well, nobody bets on it. It's a bet that nobody knew you could bet on, it, and then it, it became a thing, and now I don't think a lot of people still bet on it. But the odds are, are, are uh, one in a million odds, basically. Um, <laughs> so I put five bucks on that every year. Oh, okay. So, there, you mean, there you go. Why not? Yeah, exactly. Why not? That's good. Just because I think it's hilarious. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, um, any others that you guys want to cover before we get into uh, talking about coaching? 
or any other Super Bowl stuff you wanted to cover before we talk about coaching? Yeah, uh, Andrew Whitworth and Joe Burrow are besties. <laughs> so, oh yeah, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you read about that. Uh, I read about it today, actually. So when Burrow was rehabbing, uh, he didn't know anybody, and Whitworth actually reached out to Joe Burrow, and they ended up rehabbing together. Uh, watching games together on Sundays. Joe Burrow had his birthday party at Andrew Whitworth's house. <laughs> they became really good friends. And it's wild to think about that because Burrow's like 16 and Whitworth is, you know, 74. Uh, it's it's wild. And But then when you look at Joey B's life, it's crazy to think about it. I mean, he went from being lost in New York to now he's playing in the Super Bowl. I mean, he met Donald Trump, for, for God's sakes. I mean – he told him how to get to the pool. Like it's it's amazing. His whole life story is crazy. And then, Fair but no, I, I actually thought that was actually really cool though for Andrew Whitworth to reach out to you know not even in the not even playing with the kid and just said, hey, come rehab with me. Let's 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 rehab together. And you know, and now they they're they're you know they're best friends. They they got a, a bonded for life basically. So that's I thought that cool. was actually pretty cool. Yeah. That, so that's here, here's here's a question for you. If the Rams win, does OBJ re-sign with the Rams for a smaller contract just to stay with the team? I say yes because he wants to live in L.A. People like the L.A. lifestyle. And I think some people put where they're living and who they're with, like coaching-wise, like, you know, especially working with Sean McVay. I I think having a happier life yeah. is more important than money sometimes for players. Sometimes. I say sometimes. So I, I, I really think he's happier where he's at, and I think he'll take a smaller contract to stay. I will say he's takes smaller contract if Stafford doesn't retire. Yeah, Stafford wins, what else do you need in your career, man? I mean, you, you took a team to the Super Bowl. You win a Super Bowl. You've the done first year things being that no on other quarterback team. has done. Yeah, first year on the team. Uh, basically, for Brady. Repeat that crap. It didn't work for Tampa. <laughs> it did not, but I'm I'm hoping. Well, I mean, I'd like to I'd like to see Stafford do it again. I would. Oh, 100 percent. I think Stafford is he's arguably my my favorite one of my favorite quarterbacks to ever play the game. I think him winning is the only way he gets into the Hall of Fame. Agreed. Yeah, I agree. Um. And just throwing this out there, I know not really too many people care, but if the Rams do win the Super Bowl, then my wife is going to get me a Stafford Super Bowl jersey, like with like the one that they wear with like the logo and stuff. So oh, that's dope, dude. And I am I was in talks with my boss about getting you an Eric Little autograph. It most likely will be like some. It's not going to be like a jersey, but it'll be like maybe a University of Utah football or. Something along those lines, but he's going to see what he can do for you. And then I, I was talking to myself, and I said, "Self, I'm gonna give Matt a high five. So you got a lot of stuff to look forward to, dude. A lot of stuff. So just throwing that out there. Hey, I mean, since it's like close to my birthday with the Super Bowl, I just basically, you know, convinced my wife like if the Rams with the Super Bowl, I just went. Everything Rams Super Bowl, like that crap that they put on the TV, like right after they win with like the hats and the shirts, and like I was, I was like, I want that, like I want like you know a jersey with the thing on it, like I want all out, like. And she was like, Yeah, if they win, we'll go all out. Like, can I? Yeah. 
I did, I I did tell you that I'm ordering you. that. You both were going at the same time, so I couldn't hear you. Oh, you go first. I, I did tell you that if they win, I'm ordering that shit for you, right? Yeah, you did say that, yeah, for my birthday. I just want to watch the Super Bowl with you. So, like, let's say your team does lose, I can record it <laughs> and make you go viral. That's no, no, because he's going to be at my house, and I don't want to break in my fucking TV. <laughs> nah, I wouldn't. Sounds I wouldn't. your house problem. I feel like I kept my cool when, when we lost to the Patriots, you know. No, you it, didn't. Those things. Yeah, you weren't <laughs> no, even there. <laughs> we were talking about it the whole time. We were pissed. You were yeah. like, why can't they move the ball? What the hell is going on? They can't score. <laughs> they couldn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they definitely uh, could not. But there's a difference between texting you and not keeping my cool and actually keeping my cool. <laughs> fair. Fair. fair so, I did the same thing with you two when the like, 49ers were playing. Here, yeah, but we at the house, I was keeping my cool. Like, when I was texting you guys, I wasn't. Gotta have faith, dude. <laughs> so, all right, cool. So, wrapping that up and now going into coaching. Uh, before we get into the different hires that's happened so far uh, in the NFL, and there's been a lot of new hires so far, a lot of these new hires have all been uh, white coaches and only one black coach hire so far for the Houston Texans recently that they had announced. Yeah, which yeah. I, I wanted to bring up. It, he's Lovey Smith is the token black coach. I hate saying that, but if you think about when they hired him, it was seriously two days after the whole lawsuit information came out. So they were like trying to save face by forcing a team to hire Lovey Smith, which Lovey Smith was decent with Chicago, but he wasn't great. Yeah, if they wanted to save face, they need to get Eric. Eric Benamy and uh, Brian Flores. They need to hire both of them. But I think Brian Flores ruined his career. He, he probably did. Uh, with uh, Brian Flores coming out saying that he was basically offered to 100000 k for each loss that they would take while being the coach of the Dolphins to be able to um, increase their odds for getting a higher draft pick. Uh, and uh, the former Browns coach as well, uh, what's his name? Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson, he came, he came out and said as well that he was not necessarily told, hey, here's money for losing, go out and lose, but he did re- receive incentives that he was not sure where it came from, and he later on found out that it was because of that so now the stigma is if you hire a black coach you can be able to manipulate them to be able to lose games because you can just say hey i'm gonna give you money to be able to lose games which then tarnishes their record of as a head coach which tarnishes their ability to be able to get head coaching jobs going forward because a person like Hugh Jackson has a one and thirty-four record or whatever it was, like he had a god awful record with the Browns. So yeah, he was the zero and sixteen Browns coach. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where 
you know, have white coaches been told the same thing as we haven't had white coaches come out and say like, Hey, owners have also told me, Hey, if you lose games, you know, we'll give you a certain amount of money. It's only been black coaches that have come out and said this. So if the stigma is that you're a black coach and you're being hired, it's being hired. So you, that you can lose and tarnish your record. Uh, and the Texans, I was think it's a prime example. They just hired a black head coach, but where are the Texans really going to go? Like wh- how well are they really going to do next year? And that's going to tarnish his record. It depends on Deshaun Watson. That's true. That does depend on that as well. But even with Deshaun Watson, I, you know, they're still not going to do that great. I wouldn't see them making the playoffs, you know. So, is is if this if this is a problem in the NFL, like where where does the NFL go from here? Roger Goodell obviously came out and said that they need to do a better job, but you can't convince all these white owners, old white owners, to. You can't force them or convince them, hey, you need to hire more black head coaches. Um, and, you know, they, they pointed out that there's this tree, this, like, coaching tree of just, like, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, and there was, like, one more. I can't remember who it was. Oh, uh, the floor. No, the coach for uh, the Packers. Oh, yeah, the floor. Okay. Offensive coordinator, I can't remember his name right now. Um, shoot, what's his name? I gotta look it up real quick. But the uh, the the Vikings have come out saying that they're gonna hire our offensive coordinator to be their new head coach when he's only coached with the Rams for you know a couple of years as the offensive coordinator. But since he's under Sean McVay, it automatically gives him a chance to be a head coach. Oh, O'Connell. O'Connell is who it was. So, do you see that pattern that they're pointing out, that coaching tree, and is that causing a problem in the NFL, that coaching tree? If you were under any of these three people, you're getting your chance at a head coaching job compared to uh, Eric uh, Benemi, uh, you know. Benemi. 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 Uh, <laughs> not getting – you know, he should have gotten that Vikings job instead of O'Connell. I like O'Connell. He's a great offensive coordinator for us. But Eric Benmenmi had gotten the uh, Chiefs to four straight AFC championship games and was coaching one of the great offenses in AFC. So it makes no sense that O'Connell's getting it compared to someone like that. Um, so let's start with Chris. What do, you, what do you think about that and that coaching tree and kind of the stigma of not – giving black head coaches their opportunities. I think the league is racist. I think it has been for a very long time. Like when Art Shell became the first black head coach, like he got a lot of flack. He got told if you don't win, you don't have a job. Like you have to win in the first year. Or you don't have a job. You have to prove yourself. He had black coaches have a chip on their shoulder because they have to prove themselves more than the white coaches. And the tree, I think the tree should come from more successful coaches than just those three. Like, yeah, those are the young coaches. They're they're desirables. 
you know they they have they've changed the game but honestly like there are coaches out there like Bill Belichick like he's his coaches have proven that they suck as a head coach and they're white but they still get a job like why the fuck did the Raiders hire Josh McDaniels over Brian Flores or Eric Benemy like Josh McDaniels proved in Denver that he was not a good coach. Yeah. Like I don't want a Trevor Simeon. I just don't know. Like it, I don't know. Matt Patricia proved that he was not a good court, a good coach with the with the Lions with Matt Stafford. Like, how can you not turn that team around and make make it successful? Like, I. I I think, in my opinion, that the the black coaches are being overlooked. And, I mean, it's I, – I can't really say it's my opinion because it's truth. It's fact. Black, black coaches are being overlooked, and, yeah, they have that stigma behind them. And I don't think it's fair that it's coming from a tree of three coaches to coach the rest of the NFL. Because then the NFL is going to become stagnant and boring because everybody's running the same shit. But, no, I I, I think there are black coaches that are much more coach-ready, head coach-ready, and much more tenured than some of the coaches that are being hired. Like, there's one head coach, I think it's the head coach they hired for the Giants. He was a freaking, like, quarterbacks coach. Like, he's never had he's never had any kind of coordinator position, but yet he's hired as a head coach over the likes of Brian Flores, Eric Benemy. You know, that, that doesn't make sense to me. Why are they not looking at these black coaches? And it it stems, honestly, I'm being political here a little bit, but it stems from systemic racism. It really does. What do you think, uh, Larry? (laughs) Um, So I, I... trying to figure out how to, you know, fuck it. So here's the thing, right? So one, I'm going to go off on a tangent here. So I watched an interview the other day, white guy talking about players in the NFL, right? So when you break it down, when it comes to white people in sports, we suck. Hold on. We can swim. Swimming. We have hockey. We have coaching position. That's it. Everybody else in that field is you know, baseball is more often than not. They are uh, Dominican. Uh, they are Hispanic. They are Costa Rican. They are Ecuadorian. I mean, there's just they're, they're a broad spectrum, right? Um, in the NFL, so Brian Flores taking the money for tanking, right? Him getting fired was a shock to the NFL. For one, you had a 24 and 25 record in three seasons, two winning seasons out of three years. Should he have gotten fired? No. Nobody agrees with the firing, and it should have happened. But isn't it a little ironic and a little weird that this happened as Joey B's going to the Super Bowl? Because uh, if Miami tanks, they get that first number, that first pick, they get Joey B. Not Tua. 
So we're, let's go ahead and stir the pot here. We got Tom Brady out. We can't make up another deflate gate. So we're <laughs> going to bring up this. Antonio Brown, he's old news. So, and, and a lot of it, a lot of these, when it comes to black coaches, I, I had a conversation with a buddy of mine because I wanted to get his take on it um, and kind of what his thoughts were um, to make sure that I wasn't in the wrong because I wasn't going to come onto the podcast and talk about something and have people like, oh, you're just a piece of shit. You're a racist, whatever it is. Um, which is whatever, call me a racist. I don't fucking care. Uh, if you know me, you know it ain't true. But at the end of the day, most black people in sports, when they retire, they predominantly move to becoming an analyst. Look at half of the people. Look at Brandon Marshall, for instance. Brandon Marshall has, he just came out, was talking about his contract with Denver and why he actually left Denver. They were putting stuff in his contract saying, you have to rush for four touchdowns and this is how you're going to get paid this or whatever it might be. But a lot of these players, when they, you know, they go, there's not a lot of black coaches for one. When you actually look on the sidelines, there's not a lot of black coaches. There's just not. A lot of them go into sports casting, which is fine. Do whatever you're going to do because you can make a shit ton of money doing that. Brian Flores, you said he ruined his career. For what? What is he suing for? And it, the sad part is the investigations that are being launched into it. Now, if they find that there is no tampering and there is no proof to what he has said, his career's done. It is the NFL, so he might get a job with the Raiders. Just kidding. It'd be with Dallas. Let's be honest. Yes. Um, <laughs> but but like but, but seriously though, right? So if they find nothing wrong and everything he said was completely false, his career is done. He completely ruined himself. Let's say it's true. What does he gain? To prove what we already know? To prove what's been already been proven? He mentioned that uh, the Broncos, right? So he said that when he interviewed with Denver, they showed up an hour and a half late. They looked, uh, he called them bis- uh, beheveled. Uh, they looked Dissembled. severely Dissembled. drunk. Yeah, whatever. I don't fucking care. They looked hungover, right? Like they were drinking all night. The internet doesn't forget after that interview, Brian Flores tweeted, I had a great interview with John Elway and Joe Ellis, who was the CEO of the Broncos. Great interview. I learned a lot. They are an outstanding organization, and I appreciate everything they helped me and talked with me about during my interview time. Now, all of a sudden, there was a problem? Why wasn't it said then? Why wasn't anything brought up then? Right then and there. Boom. You should have said something. Then it comes out when the interview started. Brian Flores was apparently a half hour late. So now it becomes a he said, she said thing. So now we don't know who's lying. Eric Bienemi has said he is happy with the team. Those were his words. The team. What team is that? He also said, I might leave the team. Could mean he's happy with the Vikings. Could mean he's happy as hell where he's at. Brian Leftwich. Why isn't he being, uh, uh, why isn't he in the talks of anything? Brian Leftwich with what he did with Jameis Winston. I mean, give me a fucking break. You want to talk about what coaches have done? You had Pat Mahomes, who was incredible. Did he need the coaching staff he had? I believe that Mahomes could have probably went anywhere and did great. Brian Flores did well with Fitzpatrick and then did well with Tua. Brian Leftwich had Jameis Winston, who led the league in touchdown passes and most interceptions in a season. He's not even considered as a head coach. But there's also not a lot of black coaches in the NFL. So when you really break it down, when you go to systematic, you know, systematic racism, that is definitely a problem. But at the end of the day, 
all he is bringing up is shit we already know. And it's to stir the pot before the Super Bowl, to bring more attention, to get more media coverage. But guess what? It was two weeks before the Super Bowl. We didn't cover shit about the Super Bowl. No media outlet was talking about what was going on. Nobody. This week happened. Brian Flores is shit under the rug. Nobody cares. It's been nothing but Super Bowl media week all week long. Brian Flores gets three minutes of airtime when he's talked about. That to me shows that the problem that they're bringing up was just to stir the pot. Was he paid money? And with Hugh Jackson, uh, him stepping up. And that's the other thing. He recanted. If I came to you, uh, huh? He recanted. Yes. But he came out and said it, right? He said, I got bonuses for tanking. It was his words. No longer his words. At, at first, he said, they were paying me 100000 a game to tank. And then he came back and said, no, that was incorrect. I was actually getting bonuses. Yes. So now he just wants to prove that he's still relevant, which you're not. Sorry, you suck with Cleveland. You suck with the Raiders. You ain't shit. Just be done. He, suck, he um, sucked with Cincinnati. Here's – if I came up to you and I said, hey, Chris, I'm going to give you a team. But I want you to lose. This is regardless of your skin color. I want you to lose. I'm going to pay you $100,000 on top of your salary for every single game you lose. What are you going to say to that? Are you going to say yes or are you going to say no? Because if Brian Flores took that money, he now just took a bribe, which both parts are now illegal, and now you cause for a whole legal problem. If Brian Flores said no – but he still got paid the money. There's a huge problem with that. And so far, nobody's found any proof to back up what he's saying. Because if you're bringing this to light now, it's simply because it's Super Bowl media week and because you got fired for no fucking reason. Now, if they, do, if they do come out, you say, what benefit does it get? If it does come out and somehow they do find proof of these things for these teams, do you believe that the ownership needs to relinquish their ownership of those teams if it comes out that it is true that they did it. Why not, well, let me ask why not Steve, Steve Ballmer got fired for well, ma making a racist statement? Yeah. Well, let me, let, me ask, let me ask you this then. We've had all this stuff go on with John Gruden. 100,000 emails have with John Gruden this year. That means you skipped over all the shit that happened with the fucking owner of the Washington football team. What's their reinvestigating now? Barely. So they've had full-on women, full witnesses give statements. You can watch the court hearings. You can find them on YouTube of these women saying, I was sexually assaulted. I was sexually harassed. This dude is a misogynistic piece of shit, and nothing happened. Look at Robert Kraft. Robert Kraft got caught for, for being a pedophile. He's still the owner of the Patriots. So if we're talking about relinqu relinquishing ownership or, or anything – why are these guys still able to own a football team? The yes, NFL, I get racism is a problem, and, and it should be dealt with. I'm not saying that it's obviously below these issues, but there's a lot of other shit going on in the NFL that's not being talked about. This is a very big issue, but at the end of the day, we know this is happening. And the only way it's going to change is one, get more black people in coaching positions. Ask them, hey, do you want to come coach or do you want to be an analyst? What was Gruden's deal with the, with the, with ESPN or whatever it was? Gruden was paying, what, 10 years for $100 million, uh, $10 million or whatever it was, $20 million. The Raiders offered him 10 mil for 100 mil or 10 years for 100 mil. 
these guys, are, it, it's, it's, it's a crazy thing to see what is happening right now for something that we already know has been addressed. But why aren't these other issues being handled as well? Should they relinquish ownership? I was reading somebody was saying they should have to give up all titles that were won under the organization. Every Super Bowl, every AFC champion, every MVP, everything that was won in these organizations should be gone. No, I don't think that. Do I think these owners should be fired? I mean, you can't really fire them. But, yeah, look at uh, what was uh, old boy for the Clippers. Who came Steve out Ballmer. Video. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it could be done. There's a lot of things that could be happening, but the problem is who is actually going to – and that's where I have the respect for Brian Flores for stepping into a position, shedding light on something we already know, and talking about it. The big thing here is what is actually going to change. At the end of the day, what's going to change? Is he going to get a job? Are more black coaches going to be considered? Or are they just going to bring him in for an interview and say, cool, thanks, but we already have our guy. Bill Belichick, what happens with him? Because he's got text messages to Brian Flores. Does that mean he has to give up all his titles? Does that mean Brady is no longer the greatest quarterback of all time? Or does he get an asterisk next to his name? He should have There's a lot anyway because he's a cheater. I won't disagree. <laughs> but like, but for real, like that, that's, that's the problem with this is there, there's no way to, ch- oh, I shouldn't say there's no way. The problem is changing what is happening is all you're doing is bringing light on stuff we already know, but nobody cares enough to make a change. So here's you want the NFL to change, hire Adam Silver from the NBA and have that motherfucker run ball sports and watch how fast the NFL changes. <laughs> I was, actually, I was actually going to bring that is, up. Adam Silver is an incredible commissioner. What that dude handled with the COVID bubble, with how he's handled the NBA, with how he's handled the racist allegations, the assault allegations, the dude is a phenomenal commissioner. Goodell sucks. He should be out. He shouldn't be a commissioner. He's let too much shit slide. But it's these rich fucking white folks that got this money. Robert Kraft should be in jail. The owner of the Washington football team should be in jail. The dude who, if the owner of Miami, if this all comes true, should be in jail for bribing. Uh, Brian Flores, if he took the money, should be in jail for accepting a bribe. There's a lot of people that, shit's got to roll downhill and somebody's got to pay the fucking price. And until you make an example out of somebody, what do they do? Uh, Look at what they did with Denver for COVID. We had to play a game with no fucking quarterback. You had to make an example of somebody. Why isn't the NFL doing that with, with what's happening right now? This shouldn't be a matter of an investigation. It shouldn't be a week long, a two week long, a month long, a year long. Make the fucking example now. You don't stand for it. Get these dudes out. Bring somebody in here, and let's change the way it's being done. Plain and simple. It's a real simple solution. Who's got the balls to step up and make a change? That's all it comes down to. So, here's a question that I have for you guys. Name another sport that is that has a lot of black coaches. Probably just the NBA. It's the only one I could think of. The NBA has a good amount of black coaches. Yeah, but it's still like under twenty percent of the coaches. Yeah, like there's it's predominantly white coaches, and the problem is the problem is the NFL. The difference between Adam Silver and Roger Goodell. Adam Silver is a commissioner for the players. He's not a commissioner for the owners. Roger Goodell has been fought off by all of the owners to let them do whatever the hell they want to do. And that's, it's not cool. He is a commissioner for the owners, not the players, not the teams. 
Yeah, I like that point. That's actually really good. I, I 100% agree with that for sure. Um, yeah, and, and uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, like Larry said, you know, if it all just gets swept under the rug and we all just forget about it eventually or, you know, if they're going to actually do something about it and keep, like, investigating and looking into it. Um, you know, they're still looking into, like you said, the Washington now-known commanders. <laughs> the Washington commanders. That's the thing, though, is why are you still looking into something? You have the evidence. You have the facts. But yet you're still looking into it? Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like the FBI having all the facts on on Jeffrey Dahmer, you know. They have all the facts on him, but they're like, oh, you know, we we really haven't seen it in action. There's no proof that he's eating people, but you know, maybe 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 we'll just keep looking into it, even though there's dead bodies in his freaking freezer. <laughs> Yo, straight up, OJ's lawyer. Which one? <laughs> the one that got him off, Casey Car- Anthony's lawyer, Tom Car- Brady's Car- lawyer. Like, but at the end of the day, that's that's that. I didn't want to talk about this on the podcast because I have very strong feelings about what's happening, and I will get. I, I'm not. I was going to guarantee it, but in a month from now, we can revisit this conversation and watch how fast nothing happened. Yeah, yeah. It was Super Bowl talk to get. We had a bye week. What are we gonna do for the bye week? Oh shit. Boom! Let's get some drama. What stirs up a lot of drama in the in the world? Racism in football. Guess what? Every football fan knows it. But yeah. the players they they need to they, they need to rally behind Flores. That's the problem. Flores on his own is not going to change this. He's not. Nothing is going to change by himself. Even because even the thing is, is he everything he said could be completely false. He is still not wrong for the discrimination of black coaches in the NFL. He's not. The only way to change it is to get the community, get the players, get other coaches, get behind this dude and make the fucking change. Yeah, true. But it's just not a lot of people want to risk their careers like that. You know, not a lot of people want to put their careers on the line. And that's, you know, the problem. If there's not enough people that are willing to maybe lose their jobs, yeah, they, yeah they're, they're not going to they're not gonna back them or do it. So, you know, if they feel that it's a losing cause, why join in in a losing cause and lose my job as well, you know, along with him losing his job. So I think that's how a lot of people kind of look at it. And that's, that's what's upsetting is because everybody knows that this is a problem. Everybody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to fix it. Yeah, that's true. So we're going to be in the same position we were in right now. It's talking about what's happening, but nobody trying to actually step up and fix it. And that's where I got the respect for Brian Flores, man. The dude is, is doing something. He is, He's the first black coach to publicly speak out about what is happening and to take the risk he is taking, which I got, you got some balls on you straight up to do what you're doing. And, and, I mean, I got mad respect for him. I stand behind him. Get, bring the limelight back onto it. Make a change. Yeah. If the owner paid him, get his ass out. Plain and simple. He got, get him out. Yeah. I, I definitely I, agree. I, I think I think this is going to shine a lot of light on Roger Goodell. It's, yes. It really is on what kind of action he takes. <clears throat> How he's yeah. still commissioner, nobody knows. 
I mean, because the owners like him. So, like you said, the owners, the owners like him because he does stuff for them. And it works around making them happy. So yeah, that's why he's still commissioner. I mean, <laughs> that's easy to say why. <laughs> the only thing, the only thing Roger Goodell has done in his entire career being a commissioner. This is my opinion. You guys can agree or disagree. The only thing he has done is made the draft relevant. That's it. Because he's the most booed guy there. Because the draft is now nationally televised. It's actually something that people look forward to watching. People actually start studying college players. Fans study college players to see who their team's going to take, to see if they agree with that. You know, even though we don't have a say in it, but he made the draft relevant. Before Roger Goodell, the draft was just in a little-ass room where they would just, like the coaches, the head coaches and the owners would be sitting at a table and calling players, and there was no seating in there. There's no seating in the draft room. There's no, like, behind-the-curtain draft room where the players would come out and hug the commissioner. Pete Rozelle never did that. He didn't care. Roger Goodell made the draft relevant. That's the only thing he's done in his entire freaking career. Yeah, that's true. I definitely agree with that. Um, for hire Adam Silver for both. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Um, if you look look at the COVID stuff, for instance, I know I, I said that already, but look look at how the NBA, even in general, look at how the NBA handles. Look at how the NBA handles situations versus how the NFL handles things. The NBA is a finely tuned working machine. The NFL is, let's see what kind of shit we can just put together and we'll put some lipstick on this pig and polish a turd. That's what we're going to do. That's, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's upsetting. And they were saying, uh, you know, I'm going to go back a few years when they were kneeling in the NFL. Football lost viewership. The NFL lost a lot of viewers with the whole kneeling and the protesting. NBA gained viewers they were doing the same shit the same shit and gain viewership that's how poorly the nfl handles situations is that you have all these sports doing the same thing but for some reason one sport's getting going up and the other one's going down it's 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 crazy to me it's because of the commissioner, because Adam Silver came out and was like, we need to stand up for black people. We need to stand up for yes. for this. If you take a knee, that is perfectly within your right. Let's do what we can to, to bring this to right. Roger Goodell was, no, that we can't have this in the NFL. This is disrespectful. Like, well, I think it was 2005 or 2006 when – Players actually were started to be forced onto the field during the national anthem. Before that, well, was, they went into it was their right, locker room during the national anthem. Two thousand eleven. It was two thousand one that where they wanted players on the field. Well, two thousand one is when they televised the national anthem was never televised. I don't know how long you guys are watching football. I'm assuming as long as I have. The national anthem was only televised for the Super Bowl. Yep. Nine eleven happened. They brought out, we're going to bring out the players. We're going to televise it. Why? Because more people are going to see the national anthem. More people are inspired, inspired to join the military. The unity of players and the national anthem in America, we now want to join the military. They've seen 112% spike in people signing up for the military after that happened. That's fucking crazy to me. But that's all the NFL wants. 
is to how can we gain viewers, and then you just tanked it. And it just – Roger Goodell is going to kill the sport. It's upsetting. Yeah. Get flag football here pretty soon. <sighs> yeah, hopefully, hopefully not. Hopefully. I can play in the flag football league, though. I'll tell you that. I'm a champion, Utah State flag football champion. So, look out. We'll get the That's because you're a freaking giant. Like, you just step over people. Yeah, that sounds like a little people problem. <laughs> you're like a tree. Yeah. <laughs> If you, you, you get on the field, I am Groot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I know. No, I'm 6'5". I had to think about it. Yeah, I thought it was 6'1". I'm 6'5". <laughs> so, all righty. Well, uh, with that being said, uh, we'll, we'll wrap things up. Um, I know the NBA trade deadline kind of happened and stuff, but we, we can kind of cover that more next week uh, with uh, football being, you know, over with. Um, I also want to do a segment uh, next week, kind of give you guys a sneak peek of what we'll talk about. Um, I want to talk about uh, next season for the NFL. So, you know, who's going to be the top quarterback this this time next year? You know, who's going to be the top wide receiver? Who's going to be, you know, um, you know, best defensive player? You know, stuff like that. Go over our predictions, like, for next season. Kind of do early, early football predictions, um, I think. Doing that early is always fun. Kind of just you know going over how we feel next year will be. So we'll kind of do that as a segment. We'll go over basketball and the the trade deadline because uh, I know the Jazz made like a a, a a trade deal. So we'll go over that as well. Um, let's see. The hopefully there'll be more baseball stuff to go over. Uh, you know the lockout still <laughs> happening, so not much going on there. Um, you know, it's going to be kind of more fo- focused on the NBA going forward with that. Um, of course, hockey as well, uh, going over some of that stuff. Um, but as always, uh, you can, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I do want to say one thing here. The Olympics are going on right now. Yeah. Uh, and we have a dude, I believe uh, they said he is from Salt Lake City, Utah, and he is the first male to win figure skating. Yeah, Nathan Chen. Yeah, Nathan Chen. So that's a huge shout-out. It's a good thing for Utah. That's that's something that should that, uh, just throw that out there let you guys know that we actually finally – we have another sports guy doing and some uh, solo he, male figure skating and won. Took gold, dirt. so it's pretty fucking cool. He won the singles gold. And he helped lead the U.S. to the team silver. We lost to Russia, but Nathan Chen has the highest recorded short program of figure skating in history during the team event. Yep. And so, uh, the Russian, uh, uh, they, Russia, for the team event, uh, one of the figure skaters was um, tested for uh, – like performance enhancing drugs again. So Russia being caught again for <laughs> uh, using uh, drugs uh, in their Olympic events. Oh, also, do you guys talk about golf at all? We don't, but I mean, it's nothing. Cool. It's something we can't we can bring up. So I just won today or won Pebble Beach. He has been in the mate. Uh, he is two hundred and three rounds of golf in his professional career. He's never won, and he finally won at Pebble Beach. And uh, plus 5,600 odds on that one. A little $5 bet on the golf. Yeah, I, if you guys ever want to take a good nap, put on golf. 
<laughs> actually, I actually enjoy watching golf now that I've got into too. playing it and too, understanding but... it. Oh, I play the shit out of golf, but I suck. I get, I'm really good at driving the cart and drinking beer. But uh, same. No, but that was actually really cool <laughs> to see that too. Uh, to see that there was a another dude won on a, like a 32 foot eagle. Uh, got a birdie to go into overtime, and he ended up winning like a 32 uh, 32 foot eagle. Um, ended up winning. It was his first win as well, which was really, he beat Bubba Watson. I can't think of his name. Um, but yeah, it was it was a really good day for golf on Sunday. So. <laughs> out there. Little, little high five shout out to golf there um, it used to be easier when Tiger was around you know he was the big topic so now that he's not around anymore it kind of makes it uh, you know not as fun to talk about but uh, yeah we, we'll, we'll cover anything and everything we always enjoy any type of topic uh, it doesn't matter what it is um, as long as it's so, sports <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter we'll talk about non-sports stuff too we'll do random stuff you know uh we always do like top top five like halloween candy during like halloween time stuff like that you know so. what about talk about jennifer lopez and owen wilson doesn't make sense in that movie just doesn't make sense <laughs> it's not believable Ugh. not believable yeah i was gonna say yeah not believable <laughs> but but, but not, does, Jen- does jennifer lopez and ben affleck actually make ch- make sense more sense than her and owen wilson bro yeah, yeah, I that's mean, I know true. it's a movie. I know they're in a movie together, but it still just doesn't. Whatever. <laughs> true, true. All right, so uh, to uh, wrap things up, I'm going to post on our uh, Sports Harder Podcast Facebook page about the contest. Uh, comment with uh, who you think is going to win and the final score, and you'll be entered in to win the uh, hot sauce, which is great. Um, I'll, by I'll the way, Chris, I got to get some uh, from you for uh, – I'll obviously, you know, give us the money for it, but my uh, brother-in-law and father-in-law are interested in trying it, so I'm going to buy some from you to give to them to try. Um, okay. So we got the, the you, contest. Huh? Did you have them try the hot sauce that I gave you? No, no, not yet. Oh, but I'm also good, I'll, I'll, I'll take a picture of it tonight and send it over to you so you've got a picture of what they look like. Yeah, no worries. Awesome. Yeah, I'll post it with what they look like and with the, the rules and the contest uh, stuff. Larry, I don't want to see any of your comments on there. You're not eligible. I'm going to comment. Just throwing that out there again. <laughs> I'm going to um, comment. <laughs> but, so every uh, now also, and then, Larry, Larry, every now and then we do, have, we do have a segment that we post. It's called Beat the Experts. March Madness, baby. Yep. Yep, yep. So uh, we're going to do that as well. That's coming up too. So that'll be fun. Um, But um, yeah. And then uh, you can comment on our uh, YouTube uh, channel as well and be able to get entered in that way as well. If you prefer to do it that way. Uh, But uh, as always like share, comment, uh, you know, let friends, family, anyone know. Um, And uh, you can listen to us on Spotify, Apple podcast, anchor, any major podcast areas. Um, it gets distributed out too. We're going to continue as always with our hashtags. Earl Thomas still not signed. Come on, it's the Super Bowl, man. Still not signed. Uh, Eric Weddle got signed. Come on, yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. And then uh, our uh, hashtag. It's not going to happen, but Cooper Cup for MVP. Maybe Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, like, who, if we don't there get we the go. regular MVP, let's do Super Bowl MVP. You know. Um, and then Florida 30 for 30. Yep, the Florida 30 for 30. Uh, eventually will get made. Uh, it'll, it'll, and Larry will get uh, credit for getting that motion to be created. Um, I, I better get credit for that. 
I don't know who I'll talk to about it, but I'll make sure they know. You make sure they know. Yeah, exactly. All right. So fingers crossed. Hopefully the next episode, I will be a happy camper. If not, you will see tears of sadness. But um, either way, you'll still see us. You'll still see our pretty faces either way. I'll be shaved and have my hair cut too because I – was like, okay, I'm not doing it until after the Super Bowl. Give him some good good luck here. Some good luck beardage and good luck carriage. So beard. <laughs> beard lives matter, bro. <laughs> Gotta have the real beard, buddy. Yeah, I don't know rapid. But I'm trying, dude. I'm trying. <laughs> but uh as uh, always we love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Appreciate the listens and the likes and the follows and everything every week. Um you guys keep us going and keep us uh, continuing to do this and have fun with this. So until then we will catch you guys uh next week, same time, same place, same faces. Peace. Later. Later.